Are you, or a loved one, struggling with an addiction to alcohol or drugs? You've got company, because there are 24 million people in the U.S. who are addicted, just like you. What you need to understand is that addiction is a disease, not a character flaw. It's a disease that may or may not kill you, but it will take everything from you and those you love. If you're like most people, you've been in denial. You think, it'll just go away. Or even worse, you're embarrassed to admit that you have a problem. The Addiction Advisor Helpline is real help. Get it now before it's too late. Their advisors are there 24 hours a day. They listen, provide guidance, and most of them are former addicts themselves, so they understand what you're going through. The call is free and the service is free. Call the Addiction Advisor at 800-278-9414. That's 800-278-9414. Trevor, welcome to the Patents 2 Show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm not sure. Don't forget, this isn't this. We had Kennedy and Chief Justice Roberts uh, siding with the liberals on this. So this right. is more conceivable to them. They got sort of enamored with... Uh, with what I would call secondary concerns uh, compared to the primary concern of usually you don't go to all the kind of extra statutory stuff that the chief goes into unless the words themselves are ambiguous and, and allow for no sort of other discernible reading. So they, they used a sort of second-class statutory interpretation thing. Uh, what I think Scalia is right, that when it comes to the Affordable Care Act, apparently the new rule is that you have to do whatever you can, or especially if you're Chief Justice John Roberts, have to do whatever you can to make sure that the law uh, operates the way that the president wants it to operate. Is there, Trevor, a precedent in the Supreme Court, uh, and maybe this is a common practice that I'm not sure of, I didn't know about, but it, do they just try to cover their asses? Is that part of their <laughs> dictate? Because it's just, they sit here, and this is just, to me, Robert's saying, look, we approved it last time, we can't destroy it this time, I'd look like an idiot. I, I can't, I, beyond that, it's hard for me to understand how this can happen. You have the, as you point out, I mean, uh, there's no ambiguous language here. It's clear and used seven times uh, throughout yeah. the law. I, I think that there's a little bit more respect deserved to, to the chief. Uh, there's a, always a concern about legitimacy of the court, institutional legitimacy. But the, the arguments on his side, I mean, they're, uh, they're wrong, but I wouldn't call them, like, silly. Uh, I would say that they're, 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 there's a difference between wrong and silly, and six justices agree with this. So, so I mean, I'm deeply disturbed by the opinion, and I believe that the basic statutory interpretation question of does it say exchange established by the state, does it make sense that they would do this, does this produce the kind of situation that, that allows the, the judiciary to properly interpret the law and not try and fix Congress? That's the right way of doing it. Uh, Robert's opinion has a much more complex way that is far more amenable to judicial overreach, uh, but it's it's not a, a silly opinion, I would say. I would well, say you are much yeah, you are much more forgiving than we are on this. <laughs> Fair and balanced. Uh, Trevor's actually doing it. I, I'm not. I, I'm, I can't I'm be there way beyond silly <laughs> uh, because I, you know, here's a guy that we were promised and and we thought was going to be a pretty strict constitutionalist. This was a guy who was supposedly conservative, George W. Bush appointed him, you, you would think you would get some uh, rulings that really adhered to the Constitution. It seems to us, at least, and, uh, you know, both of these rulings go against that grain um, with I Obamacare. 
Yes. Well, don't forget that this one is not a constitutional ruling. This is a statutory true. Yes, true. Ruling. Right. And that's a different bag. By but the first but one the, was uh, a constitutional issue. Yes. So they, they the, sort of rewrote the law for them so mm -hmm. that it would be constitutional and be considered a tax. And in this one, they kind of rewrite the law for them so Absolutely. that it's. Yeah. I, I mean, how do we get that from John Roberts? Not once, but twice on the same. Well, it. it yeah, it's the Obamacare issue. That's the that's the problem. Unfortunately, for this ridiculous, horribly damaging, insane law, that these the, this is where he's been the worst. Mm -hmm. He has been quite good on many, 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 many things. However, help us but, out. Name name one, Trevor. Because <laughs> no, yes. right now well, I can't yes, think of one. Well, uh, on um, I, Monday, we had him write the opinion in the Raisin administrative. Yeah, the, the Raisin thing. Yeah, like yeah. the, the takings, takings clause issues, free speech issues, campaign finance issues. There's a ton of these that he's been very good on. But the uh, but when it comes to Obamacare, it just seems like yeah. there's some some blinders there. In front of so the he's guys. good on fruit. He's just not great on 17 percent of our economy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. He's good for raisins, yes, but not healthcare. Yes. He actually wrote uh, in his decision too for this for the in the Burwell case uh, where he uh, he said basically it, I can't rule it this way because and I'm paraphrasing obviously but it was because Congress couldn't have possibly meant to destroy these healthcare markets they meant to help them they meant <laughs> to help them is this a Supreme Court or, I, mean, I don't I don't, I don't understand how that can be part of it it's it, you look at the mm -hmm. at the way that they discuss this and you know certainly you know side people like Gruber discuss this specifically that that, that is their intent was they thought this would help right they thought mm -hmm. making the states create the exchanges would help so we need to use the statute to force them to do so I mean mm -hmm. I, arguing that like well we kind of feel like they you know, they didn't mean for this to happen. Is That's never been a legal argument I've understood before. The, the most terrifying sentence in the chief's opinion is, is near the end. It says, a fair reading of legislation demands a fair understanding of the legislative plan. Now, that's not really a, a theory of statutory interpretation. No. You, you don't read into, say, oh, mm. well, what did you want to do, Congress? And then and you're like, well, I'm going to try and make sure that the law is written in such a way to make that happen. That's not a theory of statutory interpretation. It's a theory of, of purposefulism to uh, help Congress get its job done. And that's not what the job of the court is. The court is not to make sure that Congress, as laws, do what they hope or plan them to do. And if they don't, to make sure that these, these provisions are now interpreted in line with the new realities of the time. That is not at all the job of the Supreme Court. And that is what is the most disturbing thing about that opinion. Yeah, and Scalia makes that point. We are governed by the terms of our laws, not by the unenacted will of our laws. Lawmakers. Hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And figuring that out, figuring out the will, it's just a, a matter of you got words on the page, you, you start with that. the words on the page. Yeah, you can. And, I then, mean, and then you get and then and then you don't go into a, a psychoanalysis of Congress because you don't want to go to those dark places anyway. Yeah, that's it's, for it's, sure. It's, that's not how you do statutory interpretation. Uh, Trevor, what do you expect with these last with the with the uh, last two really major uh, remaining decisions on, on the EPA and uh, the same-sex ruling. How do you expect those to go? Do you have any... Uh... Well, it seems that the Scalia is probably writing the EPA ruling, so that's probably going to be uh, a good for the challengers to the EPA's mm -hmm. rule about, about costs. So that, that's probably going to be the case, although with Scalia on administrative law, sometimes he's a little bit touchy. Uh, and then on the gay marriage, I'm, I'm on the side that, that says that it's a pretty foregone conclusion that yeah. Yeah. Kennedy is going to be writing that opinion uh, and fight mm. for uh, in favor of a constitutional right to same-sex marriage. Trevor, quickly, could you could you just quickly go through how you know that? Like how? Because I've seen this, you know, people saying that it looks like Scalia is going to be the guy writing the EPA thing. Is that how, how exactly do you figure that out? 
It has to do with uh, divvying up the workload of the court and when the cases were argued. So in sittings, which is a, which is a period of time during months uh, where they're hearing cases, if you sort of see that that uh, they've released all the opinions from, let's say, the February sitting, uh, but but. Scalia, so they try and have like maybe two for each justice, mm-hmm. but Scalia doesn't only has one or maybe not any. You kind of infer that, that he's writing the, the last remaining case from that sitting because he hadn't yet mm. released one from that sitting. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. And before, before we go, Trevor, can you explain the EPA ruling? Let's say Scalia writes that opinion and you know, we agree with it. What, does, what, what difference does that make? What does it, what does it change? Well, it can, it, depending on the language, the devil's in the details here. If, if it actually becomes the case that this cost-benefit analysis is required in the EPA rulings, then this, first of all, it opens up a large vector of attack on the EPA decisions about all the kind of havoc they can wreak by saying you need to, you know, get rid of every microbe of X, Y, or Z in your in your factory, regardless of the costs. Well, like, well, if we get the the interpretation of this rule to say, like, well, no, you have to take into account the costs, then that opens up a like. Some, hopefully some better regulatory things coming from the EPA and be more vectors to challenge the EPA on future rulings. I think how can we have a government agency that doesn't have to take into the, the account the costs of what they're doing? <laughs> it's a kind of a I, base it, it thing. It is a weird question. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, that's also a statutory interpretation question or a regulatory interpretation question. So again, it's, it's, not, terrible, it's not ideological per se. It's just reading the law and trying to figure out what, it's, what, it, what it means. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Trevor Burris from the Cato Institute. Appreciate it. Thanks for, thank, uh, thanks for your time. Thank you so much. Have a good one. You too. Uh, you too. Thank you. Uh, he depressing. was much more balanced than us. Yes, much, uh, more. much more. Much more. At so you didn't get the fair and balanced side today. He, he's not as apocalyptic as maybe. I mean, I think yeah. he really didn't like the ruling, but he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't. I mean, he, for example, he probably wouldn't called for John Roberts to be put in the douche hall of fame. Uh, he probably wouldn't have done that. And then if probably he did, not. we would have had to point out we already put him in last time he did this. Yeah. So... <laughs> You don't have to worry about that, Trevor. Uh, we're yeah. we, exactly. we have had a couple of people uh, wonder if he is worthy of grand the nozzle. nozzle. Oh, yes. Now, who grand currently nozzle. has the grand nozzle, Jeffy? Uh, Harry Reid. Uh, oh, right. Because uh, of his... Uh, you know what? I, that's I'm all, up for that's a vote. Kinda, that's kind of simmered down, so... I'm I up for a vote. It might be time. I right. advocate a vote today. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas, is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding Leading events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-630-6720. That's 800-630-6720.